Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back to X Factor Sports Podcast, Season 1, Episode 5. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Got a great show for you guys tonight. But first, I want to thank everybody that tuned in to Fan Appreciation Night last week. It was a great episode. We The goal was to get 10,000 likes on TikTok. We ended up getting over 18,000. So appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Be sure to like, share, subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. Every week we will be on live. If you noticed last week, people were sending in comments. I was able to respond, interact with them live. The way you're able to do that is you have to subscribe to the YouTube channel. So go ahead and subscribe to the X Factor Sports Podcast on YouTube. Chime in every week. Tap in with me. Go ahead and leave comments during the show, and I can interact with you. All right, so let's get into it. Quick news we got before we start the show. We got congratulations to the Oklahoma Sooners women's softball team for winning their third straight College World Series. Third straight, 61-1 and record this season. Just dominated college baseball, college softball, sorry, with a 53-game winning streak. I mean, these ladies, congratulations, salute to them. Might have to go catch a game sometime if they're close to us. Then we got the Las Vegas Knights. Congratulations to them winning their first Stanley Cup title. Six seasons they've been in existence. It's the quickest a franchise expansion team has won a Stanley Cup final. They won it last night, beat the Florida Panthers. Series ended four to one, and they dominated in game five, y'all. I'm saying the final score was nine to three. In a hockey game, that's like getting beat by 50 points. <laughs> so dominated them. Congrats to the Vegas Knights. So now we got two teams in Vegas that have won championships, Vegas Aces last season, Vegas Knights this season. And, of course, we got the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship earlier this week as well on Monday in the next series in five games. And now the Nuggets have won the championship, and then you got the Avalanche winning the championship last season in NHL. So also – we want to get into the PGA and live golf. For those of you who don't know what's been going on there, obviously the PGA is the original golf league and live golf is a Saudi Arabian funded golf league led. There's a figurehead named Greg Norman. He used to be in the PGA and it's funded. They got a lot of money. They're pushing that direction. And, um, what the PGA did is they're going to merge with Live Golf. So, seeing this coming a long way, you know, you're going to monopolize. PGA doesn't want to deal with competition from somewhere else. We figured they just mesh together. It's going to be a big backlash with the PGA guys that had something against Live Golf, but obviously, if the money's right, everybody will be okay. That's how that goes. So, but today's topics, what we're going to get into every segment, we got the Nuggets winning the chip on Monday. Again, like I said, four to one. We're going to talk about the Vegas Knights winning like we just did. We'll dig into that. Major League Baseball. We're going to talk about the rules of Major League Baseball, what has happened through the last 67 or these first 67 games, and find out what y'all think about the rule changes. All right. So also, we're going to talk about a kid by the name of Luis Arias. I shouldn't say kid. He's a grown man in the MLB. Luis Arias plays for the Miami Marlins and is batting almost 400 this season. First time we've seen that since 
Ted Williams, first time we've seen it, or the last time we've seen it in Major League Baseball since Ted Williams back in the 1940s. We're going to dig more into that as well. But before we get into the segments, let's go ahead and talk about the Denver Nuggets. Again, congrats, salute to the Nuggets for winning their first NBA title in their existence. Get them off the schneid. Well, let's talk about it. So, is it too early to start having the conversation about the Nuggets being a dynasty? Let's let's look at our dynasties in history in the NBA, the things that they've had, and let's see if the Nuggets check the box. Obviously, you got to win an NBA championship before your dynasty can start, right? So we'll check that box. Me personally, and I've had this conversation about dynasties in all different sports, just off the rip, you have to win at least you got to at least go back to back at some point in your dynasty. Otherwise, I don't qualify. My standards are higher than most. That's going to be the theme of this episode. So stay tuned. Um, you got to at least win back to back. But let's talk about the construct of the team if you're going to be a dynasty. You got to have a great front office. I would say the, the Denver Nuggets have a pretty great front office. The owner of the team just won another championship he is the owner of the rams they just won a super bowl a couple years back he is the colorado avalanche owner or he has ownership stake in the avalanche so he's just been winning over the last five six years the dude's been a winner so i would say the front office knows what they're doing also if you want to have a dynasty you want a great coach michael malone's been with this same core group of guys for eight years they built something. They've been through tough playoff series, tough playoff losses. Their top players have been hurt, come back, and Michael Malone stuck by them. The players trust them. I would say you need that in the dynasty, right? Next thing I would need, I would say you need is a dynamic duo. You got Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. Young duo, doesn't get any better than this, and they're not even American. So you got a dynamic duo, one from Canada, one from Serbia, that looks amazing. If you watch the playoffs, you saw this young dynamic duo showing up. I would say that's another ingredient you would need in a dynasty. Also, you would need youth, right? In order to have a dynasty, you need to have some sustained excellence over a period of time. And the only way you can do that is if your players are young. You got Nikola Jokic, who's 28. You got Jamal Murray, who's 26. You got Michael Porter Jr., who's 24. And you got Aaron Gordon, who's 27. I mean, these guys aren't even 30 years old yet. They're not even, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. has not touched his prime. I don't think Jamal Murray's in his prime yet. And Nikola Jokic is right slap in the middle of it. So, again, ingredients you would need to have a dynasty they have it front office coaching staff dynamic duo to take you over the top superstar player in Jokic, youth and they have the cap space all the guys i just named out of that core group they're all still on a contract for at least two three more years so they can build something and everybody knows the excitement about winning an nba championship you want to do it again or any championship for that matter everybody talks about i want to come back we want to run it back we want to do it again they have the youth they they love playing for each other and with each other they love their coach i don't see any reason why they can't come back and try to defend and get the ball rolling for a dynasty so yeah people might say jay this is way too early to be having a dynasty conversation 
But if we don't have the dynasty conversation before it happens, then it just sounds like, oh, you guys are late to the party. So I don't want to be late. Even if they don't become a quote unquote dynasty, it's still good conversation to have because they have all the ingredients like I just named. And they have the great culture on top of it. None of the players are in trouble. You don't hear anything about them in the media. Again, like I reiterated, they like playing for each other. They like playing for Michael Malone. And it, seem, it seems fun. Like when you watch them play, they look fun to play with. They're a fun team to watch. They got a humble superstar, a selfless leader in Nikola Jokic. Remind you of a Steph Curry. I mean, he can be as brash and as arrogant as he wanted to be. He had every right to be. I mean, he's checked every box, MVPs, All-NBAs, All-Stars. And now he's got the NBA championship with the finals MVP. And all he wants to do is talk about his teammates and going home and getting his horses. <laughs> so, I mean, when you got somebody in this day and age that's selfless at his at 28 years old, like, again, those are the ingredients that you are looking for when you are trying to build a dynasty. Steph Curry's, a, a Tom Brady, a Patrick Mahomes. These are all like selfless, humble superstars that were young when they started winning. So they have the ingredients. I've seen it for years when it's built, even back in the day, watching the Bulls. As, as terrorizing as Jordan was, he was always, once he realized he needed his team to win, they started winning and they won a lot. And they had all those things, the culture, the coaching, they were young, you know, so I think that this could be the beginning of something special for the Denver Nuggets and for the city of Denver. It looks like they're trying to win at every in every sport, so that's cool to see. But I think um, for the most part, this is the start of something really good in the Western Conference as LeBron James and the Lakers age, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they age as – you have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond, they get older. You can see the Denver Nuggets kind of sliding in and being that team to beat in the Western Conference. Even with KD and Book, like they got to figure it out, but they still need people around them. And then Kevin Durant is getting older as well. Sacramento Kings are up and coming, but they're not at that level yet of challenging the Denver Nuggets, I would say. They still have to take their lumps. They got their first playoff experience. Memphis Grizzlies, they're in the midst of taking lumps. I don't think they're ready yet. The culture has to be fine-tuned in, in Memphis, I would say. Maybe another veteran presence in there. So as it looks now, they look like the team, the best team in basketball, especially in the Western Conference. If Boston can get it together, if Milwaukee can retool, get it together. I don't trust Philly at all. So... If those other two teams in the East can figure it out, Miami, we'll talk about Miami later on in the, in the show. But if those teams can retool and get back, then there'll be a, a nice challenge, perhaps a rivalry in the West, in the East for them. Every dynasty has a rival, so it'll be interesting to see who the Nuggets rival will be if they become that. So it's just fun. Congratulations again to the Denver Nuggets. They deserve all the respect, all the shine for what they did this season. They dominated the playoffs. They went 16-4 and four in the playoffs. All right? They lost one game in the first round, 
two in the second, a sweep, and then one game, a gentleman sweep in the finals. 16 and four in the, in the playoffs. You have to give them their respect. Can't make any excuses for anybody else. They did what they had to do. They played the players and teams in front of them, and they dominated. Congratulations to Nikola Jokic, the first player in NBA history to lead all playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists as a center. Over 600 points, over 200 rebounds, over 100 assists. Never been done before in our NBA history. Got to respect that. He was a man on a mission, did his thing. And so that's the reason why I think that this team – with that type of player and with those guys loving to play with them can be on the verge of, of putting together a dynasty. But time will tell. That's what makes sports fun. You got to go out and actually do it. When we come back, we're going to get diving deeper into the NBA finals. We're going to talk about the Miami heat. What's next for them. Where will they go? We're going to find out next. This is the X factor sports podcast. Don't go nowhere. We're coming right back. Welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. Your host, Jay Mondane. Appreciate you guys tapping in. You probably see another new shirt on, you know what I'm saying? Look, every week I'm going to try to have a different flavor for y'all. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how many I have. And also last week, if you were watching, you noticed I did a little fun. I, I had some fun with it last week. We did our fan appreciation episode during the NBA Finals. And I said, whoever gets to score exactly right, gets a free X-Factor Sports t-shirt. Nobody got it. But we'll do some more things throughout the seasons, and I'll have some, some ways for you guys to win some free merch. So go ahead and check us out. But let's get into the Miami Heat. Again, improbable run to the NBA Finals, the AFC. The last team to do that as an AFC was in 1999. The New York Knicks did it during the lockout season. It was only 50 games. No all-star game, but the Miami Heat, I mean, the the Knicks actually beat the number one seed, the Miami Heat, back in 99 and get to the finals and eventually lost to the San Antonio Spurs, Twin Towers, Tim Duncan, and David Robinson. However, that Knicks team was similar to the Miami Heat. They were not your typical eighth seed. The Knicks were hurt in the middle of the season back in 99. Patrick Ewing was hurt, Larry Johnson, they were hurt mid-season. But they brought it all together towards the end of the season and made a run. If they were all healthy, the Knicks probably would have been a one or two seed back then. Kind of the same thing with the Heat. They started off slow in the season. They were the lowest scoring team in the league. 
even lost their first playing game to the Atlanta Hawks, ended up and was down against the Bulls in, in the eighth spot game with two minutes left. And Jimmy Butler with his heroics moved them on to the playoffs and the rest is history. They obviously got to the finals, beating the Milwaukee Bucks in five, the number one overall seed in five. And then they beat the Knicks in six. Jimmy Butler missed the game. They still won it in six. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, they went up 3-0 against the Celtics, made it interesting for us. And the Celtics won three straight games. And then the Miami Heat eventually beat them in Boston again to go to the finals. And that series doesn't get enough credit for what the Miami Heat did. In a seven-game series, the AFC Miami Heat won three road games to get to the finals. They won the first two in Boston, and they won one in Miami, and then they won the last one in Boston. So to win three road games as the lower seed, lowest scoring team in the playoffs, without their second leading scorer in Tyler Hero, to go and win three road games get to the finals is impressive. I say all that to say this. Congratulations to the Miami Heat. Nobody expected them to get to the finals. Nobody expected them to even make the playoffs when it was March, April the way they were playing. They flipped the switch. Jimmy Butler led his team to the finals. So you got to get him respect for that. But with that being said, what happens now? Where do the Heat go from here? Of course, they're disappointed. When you play in the finals, you want to win. There are no moral victories, especially in professional sports. Whoever told you there was, they lied to you. <laughs> All right. But the Heat. So where do they go from here, right? You got Kevin Love. You got Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Cody Zeller, all unrestricted free agents. These are core pieces to the team. Max Struess and Gabe Vincent played great in the playoffs, big numbers. Those guys are going to want to get paid, and they're instrumental to the Heat. Also, um, Big UD, Udonis Haslam, congratulations on your retirement. 42 years old, 20 years, all in Miami. Great veteran leadership. You got him leaving as well. That's an integral part of that franchise. He'll probably get in the front office, but he's not going to be on the bench anymore. So with those other guys, and then you got Kyle Lowry on top of that, 37 years old. So where did he go from here is the question I continue to ask because they're not, they're almost the reverse of what the Denver Nuggets are in terms of players. They have the culture, they have the coach. They have the front office, but the players, you have a Jimmy Butler, Bam, and you have Tyler Hero. So you have a big three, but, but are they going to pay these guys to play around them or are they going to get another guy, another young, good player in free agency to, to come to Miami that can play in that heat culture? So that'll be interesting to see um, with the heat. What I'm excited to see more about the Heat is what Tyler Hero does. How will Tyler Hero come back after not playing in the playoffs this year? Breaking his hand, again, injuries happen. You can't really control him. But I would definitely love to see what his motivation is for next season. I mean, they've been to two NBA Finals in the last three years, four years, something like that. They went to the Finals in the bubble against the Lakers and lost in six. So I would be interested to see what the Heat will do now, how, how they'll get off the mat. They, um, in that, in the finals, they were 
obviously overmatched. The Nuggets were bigger. The Nuggets were very underrated defensively. And they just, they had all the answers to the test. So if we go back, the Miami Heat played against Boston, right? And Boston really doesn't have, their big man is not a scoring big. Robert Williams is more of a, a diver or dunker to the basket. He plays in what's called, what they call the dunker spot. So he'll slip in, catch lobs, rebound. He's not really that big of an offensive threat. And then you, they didn't have the size that the Nuggets had either. Like the Nuggets start with their small forward is bigger than the Miami Heat center at Bam Adebayo. Bam is probably a legit 6'8", where Michael Porter Jr. is 6'10", at the three. And you got another 6'10", power forward in Aaron Gordon, and then a seven-foot Jokic who initiates offense as your point guard. I just told you in the last segment, he had over 100 assists <laughs> and led all players in the playoffs. So when you have that dynamic going up against an undersized center and undersized players, they were just overmatched. The Nuggets played a great series, but the Heat, again, played great to get there, and they almost made history. If they would have won the NBA Finals, they would have been the first team in NBA history to beat the top three teams in the NBA to win the championship. The Milwaukee Bucks had the number one overall record, followed by the Boston Celtics and then the Denver Nuggets. They would have knocked off the top three teams in the NBA if they'd have won. So it would have been an amazing feat nonetheless. But like I said, no moral victories, but they do have something to build on for next season. It would just be interesting to see what they do. So that being said, they already have the odds for next season in the NBA, who they have winning. You got the Nuggets. At number one, of course, because they won the finals, so they're going to have them as the number one odds to win at plus 500. And then you have the Celtics at plus 550 in second, the Bucks at plus 600, and believe it or not, the Phoenix Suns are fourth at plus 850. So if you are looking to bet on who you think will win the NBA championship next season, the top four teams are the Nuggets, Celtics, Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. I'm assuming they believe Frank Vogel will get that thing turned around, defensive-minded coach, get some bench players and some role players around Devin Booker and KD. So it's not an accident that we got into betting those odds leaving the segment because when we come back, we're going to get into y'all favorite segment, and it's called Bet That. We're going to talk about the Major League Baseball season. We got a great parlay for you with baseball. Don't touch that dial. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. We will be right back.
Welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. This is everybody's favorite segment. We call it Bet That, where we will find the bets for the week for you to place. You can go ahead and log in wherever you like to and place these bets. I got a five-leg MLB parlay for you guys this time, Major League Baseball. So, again, like we always talk about, parlays, everything has to go right for you to win that money. And today we got a five-legger, all right? So the first one we're going to do, these are all tonight's games. Right now they're, they're going to be playing tonight. So make sure you're able to get in there and, and bet that, all right? So the first one we're going to talk about is the Phillies at Diamondbacks, all right? We're going to go ahead and take the Diamondbacks with the money line, which means we're not going to worry about spreads, over-unders, anything like that. We're just going to take the Diamondbacks to beat the Phillies straight up. Diamondbacks are playing at home. The reason I think they're going to win this game is because Merrill Kelly, all right, he's going to be an all-star pitcher. He might be even in a running for Cy Young in the National League. He's 8-3 on the season already. Got an under 3.0 ERA. It's 2.9 to be exact. Both teams been good the last 10 games. The Phillies are 8-2 in their last 10, and the Diamondbacks are 7-3. But the Diamondbacks are playing at home, and they got an ace on the mound. So I just got them straight up. All right, the second leg of the parlay, Tampa Bay Rays against the A's. All right, so they're coming out to Oakland, play tonight. The spread is two and a half. I'm going to say go ahead and take the Rays to cover that spread, okay? If you remember earlier in the season, the Rays went on a tear. I think they won their first 15 games, 14 games, something like that. 20 out of 22, something like that. So they were running, running the table, and they're one of the top teams in baseball. Whereas on the flip side, Oakland A's are one of the worst teams in baseball. They only have 19 wins this year out of 67 games. So probably looking to tank because they've already got their bags halfway back trying to get to the casino land. All right. So we're going to take the Rays at two and a half. The Rays have won almost twice as many games on the road as the A's have won at home. So that's why I'm going with the Rays to cover the spread. And the Rays average over two runs per game. So with the spread being two and a half, I believe they'll come in and beat the A's by more than two runs. So go ahead and book that in there. The third leg, we got the Cleveland Guardians and the San Diego Padres. Again, Guardians on the road in San Diego. Over under is eight and a half runs. Go ahead and take the under on the runs. These are two evenly matched teams. They're both around 33, 34 wins. So they evenly matched two good pitchers tonight. And when you got two good pitchers on the hill, you're not going to get very many runs. So I'm going to go ahead and say this will be under the eight and a half. Even if the score is five to three, four to two, either way, you get under that eight and a half. So I would take the under on this and evenly matched record-wise, like I said. So go ahead and place that bet and do the under, all right? On the fourth leg, you got... The Battle of the Fish, you got Marlins versus Mariners. All right, you got the Mariners at home in Seattle. Go ahead and take the money line. You got the Mariners winning straight up, and they're going to go ahead and complete the sweep. They've been dominating the Marlins this entire series. On Monday, they beat them 8-1, and yesterday, they beat them 9-3. So it hasn't even been close. I mean, maybe the same face, the Marlins can come in and get one, but I just think they're overmatched on the road. So I'm going to go ahead and take that and – bet the money line on the Mariners winning straight up. Then I got my upset 
I had to get an upset in there for y'all. All right. I know y'all gonna say, oh, he biased. But listen, I had to get him in there. White Sox at Dodgers. All right. They played him the other night. They played him yesterday. Only had three hits. You got Tim Anderson back. You got Grandall was 0 for, 0 for 3. Luis Robert was 0 for 3. So I feel like they're going to come out here against Kershaw and get them a surprise victory. This is what Vegas wants you to do. They want you to go in and say, oh, Clayton Kershaw's on the hill against the White Sox. White Sox have no chance. Listen, that's the sucker bet. I'm going to go ahead and say this is the upset of the leg of the parlay. So go ahead and take the White Sox straight up to beat the Dodgers tonight. Three hits yesterday. They're going to be motivated against Kershaw to get this victory. I believe they will. So that's going to be my five-leg parlay, my five-legged legger. Diamondback straight up. The Rays beat the A's, and they cover the spread. The Guardians against the Padres take the under. We got two good pitchers. It's going to be an old-school game. Battle of the Fish, you got the Marlins and the Mariners. Go ahead and take the money line with the Mariners completely sweet. And then the upset of the leg is the White Sox beating the Dodgers straight up. All right? Be sure to log in wherever you do. Place that bet. See what happens with it. Next week on Bet That, we will have more bets for you. We'll throw some WNBA in there next week as well. So make sure y'all tap in. When we come back, this is a segue. We will get into Major League Baseball, some rule changes. I want to know how y'all feel about them. Do y'all like them? Do y'all not like them? And then we're going to talk about Luis Arias going for 400. Can he do it? It's early in the season. Will he be able to complete the mission? We're going to talk about it when we come back. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. Yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Remember, be sure to like, share, subscribe on all the major platforms, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at X Factor Sports with that Z. X Factor Sports Podcast, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. always, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook Live. Let's get into Major League Baseball. How do you guys feel about the rules 
in the last six, in these first 67 games. What rules you talking about, Jay? Oh, you guys don't know what the new rules are. All right, let me school you. So, what they've done in baseball, because let's just say the game has become archaic. Is that a good word for it? Again, this was a game that was invented back in the 1800s, 1700s. So, you got to think rules have changed, have to be changed over almost 200 years, 150 years. It's one of the oldest games. So, what they changed from last season to this season, just to get the speed of the game up, fans were not excited about being at games for over three hours, especially on a Tuesday, Wednesday night. They'd rather be watching the X Factor Sports podcast. You know what I'm saying? No, but seriously, games were super long. So that was one of the biggest things they want to do is how do we get nine innings in in a shorter period of time? So what they did was they implemented what's called a pitch clock. With the pitch clock, after every inning, the pitcher has a certain amount of time before they get back on the mound, warm up, and, and they're ready to go. It doesn't seem like a lot when it's a 30-second clock, but it actually changes the time, speeds up the game so much. So, for example, the average, I think the average game last year was like three hours and 10 minutes. And this year, the average game is like three, two hours and 40 minutes. So they literally shaved off 30 minutes of baseball. If you think about that, it may not seem much on watching it from home, but when you're at a game, and you shave off 30 minutes of time, I mean, traffic, getting your food, all this stuff. Like, you're getting home 30 minutes earlier than you would have. So it is a big deal. They've actually gotten some great reviews from it. A lot of fans are excited about the change, one of those changes. And I think it's been good as well. The second thing they changed was bigger bases. So I don't know the dimensions of what the bases were, but they've made them bigger. Um makes it more fun. I mean, you actually get a lot more stolen bases. The steals are up this season from last season. And it seems like it's making the game a lot more exciting when you when you have action. People aren't just standing on bases waiting for the ball to be thrown and running when they feel like they have an absolute chance to make it to the to second or third base. So expanding the size of the bases have, have made it a little more exciting to watch as well. And probably for those people that can't see up in the nosebleeds, they can actually see the bases now. So, but the third thing that they change is no defensive shifts. So what used to happen is when you would get an opposite, when you would get a, a lefty, let's just keep it in layman's terms. When you get a lefty up the bat, most left-handed batters all swing and the ball goes to right field, right? Same with right-handed hitters ball usually swings to left because you're swinging the bat that direction, right? And that's all based on timing. If the ball gets to you, if you swing at it early, it's going to go opposite. If you swing at it right on time, it'll go middle. If you swing it or opposite, sorry. If you swing at it early, it'll go, if you're lefty, it'll go right field. Right on time, center, late, left. So with defensive shifts, basically what they used to do is the defensive players, your third baseman, your shortstops, your outfielders, would all shift to one side of the field. You had a lefty at bat. Everybody would shift to right field because they just assumed most left-handers are going to hit the ball in right field. Baseball is about percentages, numbers. It's an analytical game. So they played the analytics most of the time. 
what Major League Baseball did is they canceled that. So there's no more shifting, no defensive shifts. It's Major League Baseball. You're in the pros. You should be able to play your position on your side of the field and not worry about any shifts. Just get better. Change your defensive scheme up, but you can't shift the whole field like literally. So they've changed that as well. I personally like that they, that's probably my favorite rule that they changed. The speed of the game, whatever. I mean, they're going to play nine innings regardless. I don't really think about it that much personally. But what I like is the defensive shift. Now, when you got a lefty up the bat, that right fielder feels like they're on an island or, you know, that second baseman who shift in between the bag and the, in the first base. Now they feel like they got to play. Now you got more area to cover because you don't have that safety blanket shifting over with shortstops. So I actually like that they've made that change and it's been successful. You can't really argue with the success it's had. More people watching baseball so far. The games have been faster. The games have been more fun. So it's been great to see. Because of these rule changes, we have a player that's playing out of this world this season. Luis Arias, Arias for the Miami Marlins. He's second baseman. And the Miami Marlins actually look good this year. They've been kind of in the, in the dumdrums of baseball the last few years. They actually look pretty good. I think they're second in their division in the NL East. And they look really good. Um, Luis Arias is batting 397, leads Major League Baseball, and close to batting 400. The closest person to him is about 60 points away. So it just tells you the gap that he has against everybody. He's playing great baseball, had multiple hitting, game hidden streaks this season already, and he looks good. He could be the first Major League Baseball player to bat over 400 since Ted Williams. In 1941, he bet 406. There's a funny story about 406. Ted Williams was batting 400 before the last game of the season in 1941. And his teammates and his managers was like, hey, you shouldn't play in the last game of the season. And he's like, why not? And they're like, you already batted 400. You're going to break the record. It's going to be all time. You don't need to play in the next game. The last game of the season, they actually have a doubleheader. Ted Williams plays and bets and goes six for eight in the doubleheader and ends up batting 406 <laughs> for the season. So just a lesson to you guys. If you're going to play, play hard, play to the max, and you still get results. So Ted Williams bet over 400. He's the last one to do it in Major League Baseball. Notice I keep saying Major League Baseball. Jay, why do you keep saying he was the last person to bat 400 in the Major Leagues? Because... If we're going to talk about baseball, we got to talk about baseball, the history of baseball. Yes, the Negro League. The Negro League played baseball. That's why a lot of these Babe Ruth records people be talking about, I'll be like, ah, yeah, he ain't playing against no black people, though. So what would them records look like if he played against them? We'll get into that this summer when we get deep into the season. But yes, so you got Willard Brown and Artie Wilson from the Kansas City Monarchs and the Birmingham Black Barons. They actually were the last two players in the same season to bat over 400 in the Negro League in 1948. You don't hear much about that, but you had some great players in the Negro League, and you had some great players, you had some great pitchers, you had Satchel Pages, you had all different types of players that they don't tell you about in your history books 
or in sports history. But that's why you come here. You get the real. So I would say if Luis Reyes actually got the record, he'd be the first person to bat 404 seasons since 1948. Let's go ahead and check your history books. But it's great to see. Baseball season is great. We got the All-Star game is coming up here in about a month. They're going to have you vote. Obviously, put your ballot in. I'm excited. I've actually been to a Major League Baseball All-Star game. It was great. I loved it. I would love to go see an NBA All-Star game. I don't know if I'd like to go to a Pro Bowl or flag football in the sun, whatever you want to call it. But I would like to see an NBA All-Star game, just even though it's fun to watch MLB. When we come back, we will get into the two-minute warning. And we'll close the show out. I want to thank you guys again for tuning in. But be right back if you don't want to catch, if you don't want to miss this two-minute warning. All right, this is the X Factor Sports Podcast. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. What I want to talk about in this two-minute warning is superstar standards. All right? Let's talk about the superstar standards. The last few days, I've been getting comments, conversations, debates, which I love because it's just content for the show where we talk about superstars, what is a superstar, And if we break it down, if I just do basketball as an example, there's only like seven real superstars in the NBA. I'm not really into this guy had a great season or this guy had a good run or even two good seasons when I start calling you a superstar. The standards have to be higher, all right? We throw this word around great superstar. We throw these words around way too loosely and we're losing our standards, all right? In order to see greatness and have greatness, you got to set a standard. What standard do you have for yourself? What standard do you have for the the clothes you wear, the your occupation, the people you hang around, the sports you watch, the quality of basketball, football, baseball? What are your standards? And today's standards in society are lax. We allow these kids to think that everything they do is great, pets on the back, there is a, just a lack of showing them what a standard is and what great is and what it should be. If, if the standard of greatness is so low, what the hell are we reaching for? You know what I mean? So the reason society is becoming entitled because we sensationalize everything. Everything's great. Everything's cool. But where, where is the standard set to separate good from great? is levels to greatness and that's what needs to be understood and what needs to be talked about more the levels there are to being great and that's where i'm at with it up the standards to everything up the standards to excellence this is jay mondane from the x factor sports podcast hopefully this show was excellent hopefully we see you guys next week 
Shout out to Ms. D, the producer. She's back. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys for watching. And don't miss next week's episode. You do not want to miss it. It will be a great one. Check you guys next week. Peace.